say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Divine interest. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die. Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Delicious strawberry flavor. You are listening to your Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode, I was going to say 93, it's episode 103. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here bringing you awesome sci-fi in this tonight. A little bit different of an episode that we're going to be bringing you, and but we're excited about it. Miles, how in the heck are you doing? I'm doing fine. Doing well. Tomorrow's shore leave. In fact, when you are listening to this episode, listeners, we will be on our way to shore leave. That's right. Yeah, and I'm excited about that. That's going to be an awesome time meeting with some good friends. Yeah, it'll be nice to meet up with some uh, old friends we haven't seen in a while, yeah. and uh, uh, hopefully we'll make some new ones too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people liking the Schilling interview that we posted the other week and the Saturn Awards episode. Some good stuff going they're, on. They were good, good interviews. Yeah. So, I, you know, if we jump into it right now, on our menu tonight, we really have three things. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Four things if you include the trivia. First – no interview. Well, there's an interview tonight. We're bringing you Larry Nemchek talking about the Connor Wrath, mm. which we did the interview a little bit back, and we're bringing it to you. So he's going to talk about the Connor Wrath and the Wrath of Khan, the Khan that went terribly wrong. Right. So maybe it's appropriate. Hopefully, <laughs> Shore Leave doesn't go terribly wrong this week. Hopefully, you're not you're not uh, passing a bad omen on. Right, right. Definitely mm-hmm. don't want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be bringing you that near the tail end of the episode. We're going to open up the episode after we give you the trivia with our sci-fi feud. Mm. And Miles, what was your thoughts about the way the feud went? It was a lot of fun. Um, it was good. It was good. Um, I don't think we've. I don't think there's a clear-cut winner. I think it, it mainly just uh, falls to just personal opinions at this point in time. Yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to how we felt about the observers and how we view the observers. Yeah, that, that's Isn't true. that really the catalyst for everything? I mean, I guess people didn't like uh, – they didn't like uh, the way some episodes played out. But mm-hmm. ultimately, how we felt about what the, uh, the observers said at the ending, mm-hmm. end of it. So, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so maybe we'll have to uh, talk about that a little bit later but uh and then the other thing we're going to be doing is giving you our sci-fi five and five at the end mm-hmm. which is being brought by jp harvey okay cool. he actually sent in four sci-fi five and fives we'll give you one mm-hmm. this week and you'll be able to hear what he says about his sci-fi five and five which i think is five top novel franchises or novel sets or something mm-hmm. like that i'll have to look at it then. Mm-hmm. i don't have the notes sitting right up in front of me here but <coughs> but that's kind of where we're at but we have a trivia question that if you listen to this episode before Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is our next podcast, we are giving away what miles? We are giving a, a signed print of a picture of the lovely Laurie Holden from uh, Walking Dead. Yes. And not only just – and it's a Walking Dead print, mm-hmm. but we're also giving you a copy of a photo of her. It's not signed from her on the X-Files. 
Oh, that's a, that's easy. So it's a, it's a two pictures, but only one sign, the Walking Dead one sign. It'll make and that's sure. awesome. And what question do they have to answer? They had to answer, uh, what does, uh, the new show, Falling Skies, have in common with SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis? And the answer is? Uh, uh, we don't not, give the answer not, yet. Not till next time. You must include the code word Walking Dead when you call in at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, 508 4343 or you email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. And you can also Twitter us, DM us on Twitter at the sci-fi diner, our son of war for Herzog, and make sure you give us the code word and the connection and We'll put you in the drawing. I think we have a couple people in already, mm-hmm. and we'll see if there's any more that want this signed Laurie Holden print. Our goal is that we will bring you the Laurie Holden interview next Tuesday. I'll be editing it together. Cool. So hopefully before I go on vacation next week, at the end of next week. Right. So that's basically it. So tonight, um, I don't really have promos that we'll be playing tonight because we are talking to the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast, mm-hmm. and... Any preface you want to give for our feud, the sci-fi feud that we've been talking about? Well, um, it all started when uh, Mr. Ben In a galaxy far, far away. Well, he, he definitely was in a galaxy far, far away when he <laughs> oh, said this. Oh, take that, Ben. Snap. Um, uh, when he said that Star Trek sucks. And so right. um, I, you know, I, I felt the need to stand up for my, fav- my one of my favorite sci-fi genres of all time and many others uh, to, to defend that. And then I kind of jumped in there and said, oh, Ben hates Fringe, but that was, it really wasn't what he was saying, but it did end up with us coming around to what we really debated, how we felt about the finale of Fringe mm-hmm. and what led up to it. And that really ended up being the discussion, and I thought it was a pretty good discussion, but I think ultimately it comes down to how we feel about the observers. Are the observers godlike? Can we trust everything they say word for word? Right. Or do they make mistakes? Am I of the opinion that they make mistakes? I, I'm in the opinion they are they are fallible creatures, whatever they are. Yeah. I think there there's episodes to show where they have they have fallibility. They have made they have made mistakes or changed their mind. Um, yeah. But also um, it, the issue of of I mean it, there is a sense of time travel at the end of the, the season finale. Uh, time travel, in, 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 at least in that universe, is, is malleable. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the comment saying that, that Peter never existed. Uh, well, you know, it's that could change. And time travel, you know, that's, that's the beauty of time travel. I mean, you can that that could, that, that can change with with different actions. Yeah, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. uh, of course, we're of course throwing your opinion of how we do in this debate. We're trying to, to get you to side with us, of course. But listen to the debate. Let us know your thoughts about the observers and how you feel the debate went. And you can do that, of course, by calling us at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three or emailing us at sci-fi-diner-podcast at gmail dot com. So I think, without further ado, here is our sci-fi feud with the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. <laughs> So we're talking about fringe, is that right? Yeah, you got it, you got it. And uh, what are the ground rules here? Oh, I don't think there are any of those. <laughs> All right. Um, Do you guys have any rules? No, I, I, I did go, but the only thing I've done is gone back and watched the actual the last two episodes for the, the at the end of the season. That was about it. 
Yeah, Ben watched some today too, right? Yes, I watched the end of the finale. I didn't watch all of it because, as we all know, the first 30 minutes of that episode are utterly <laughs> meaningless. So I uh, just skipped straight to the end. Uh, and I watched that part, and I also watched uh, some of the earlier episodes uh, involving soul magnets. Okay. So soul magnets. Very good. Yeah. Um, so where do you get, where do you guys want to start? Well, how about we start with soul magnets? I mean, cause for me, that's really where the season started to go downhill okay. was with soul magnets. How many episodes back was that into the season? Um, probably six or seven. Okay. All right. What do you know, Matt? Um, I'm not positive, but yeah, I, I mean, it led right into the finale. So it, it was all part of one big long end of the season storyline that, that didn't go well. Yes, very much so. Okay, so what was your issue with Soul Magnets? That it was dumb. I mean, <laughs> Can you expand upon that more? Yeah, I mean, uh, how do you mean dumb? <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. It's Fringe obviously goes into a lot of science that's speculative, and I'm not looking for everything to make perfect scientific sense. However, when we get down to stuff like where Walter rings a bell, and all of a sudden... William Bell's soul is possessing Olivia. Based on the fact that she drank tea with bits of his soul in it in the other universe. Yeah, that's not science at that point. Now we're in fantasy, and we have gone beyond the established rules of how this universe works, and we're into some really weird stuff that does not fit uh, with the rest of the stuff, with the rest of the show and what they've established for us about how this world works and what the rules are. Okay. <laughs> Miles, rebuttal. <laughs> um, I will admit the the way they they did this was, was is a bit hazy, but the idea of mind transference has been explored in just about every sci-fi fantasy genre. Um, is is it because the way they did it, 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 it you, you find problematic, or just the fact that that they did it is problematic? And I would think that mind transference in and of itself is a very fringe idea. Sure, yeah, it's really the way that they did it that bothered me. Uh, I, I felt like uh, I think you hit on it exactly that yeah, it could be a sci-fi uh, type topic and it is in a great many shows. But the way they did it did not feel scientific at all to me, even in kind of the pseudoscience world of Fringe. It felt far more of kind of a hocus-pocus, fantasy-esque attempt to get William Bell into Olivia's body, yeah, and, and it they, didn't work. And they tried to explain that the specific Bell had some sort of mystical power to be able to enable Bell's body to, or mind, enter Olivia's body. But then later we see a scene where I think I... Was it church bells or some sort of bell went off in the background when Peter and Olivia were together? Yeah, or, well, at the time it was Bell Olivia, and she changed back to Olivia just for a second. And so it didn't necessarily even have to be the same bell. It was just any bell-like sound. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily have a uh, thought one way or another. That did not. I can tell you that that didn't necessarily bother me. It bothered me a little bit more of. Uh, her mannerisms as Belle bother me a little bit more than the, the idea that Belle could actually be in her body and how that came across. I guess for me, I was able to suspend my disbelief uh, with that with that idea, and I just figured that there was more going on it than them drinking tea. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that Anna Torv is a great actress, but they did not do her any favors by asking her to do a Leonard Nimoy impersonation on the show. <laughs> yeah. In fact, because of that, I think I enjoyed uh, the animated episode that they did where they actually had Nimoy kind of in as an animated character. I enjoyed that more because it was Leonard Nimoy's voice than than I did when he was living through Anator's body. Well, let's talk about this animated episode because this is one of the ones I watched today. Because at the time, Ben refused to watch it. <laughs> I talked to him on the phone and I was like, I just seen it. He just had given up at that point. Yeah. And I, one thing about it is it is unique. It is, um, it's cool that Fringe went out on, on the ledge and tried something different. Well, I actually thought the episode started out pretty good and it was kind of inception like and it was working for me. And then we got to this moment where we heard these immortal words and the episode fell off a cliff. Really? Why are you a cartoon? Belly, why are you a cartoon? (laughs) And with that, the episode ceased to work for me because there was never any explanation given for why we all of a sudden entered an animated world. But they were on LSD. I mean, why not? (laughs) I mean, anything could change when you're on LSD. Come on. If you can transfer your consciousness into another person's body using tea leaves, then becoming animated is not that far-fetched. It's not a huge But again, it doesn't fit with what we've seen established in the show where – in the show, we've seen a, Walter use LSD repeatedly, and we've seen these kind of dream states that are are created by LSD, yeah, and they've that, done and stuff the musical like episode exactly. But, but you are, but you are entering into Olivia's version of it, and at the end, she appears as this child. And what a, what another way you would how how would a child view this sort of world, but through a cartoon lens? I guess it was my kind of thought. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Which, as you're looking at it from a child's Stop. view. It's kind of, it kind of works for me. And I love that Brown Betty episode. That whole musical number, I thought was phenomenal. Last yeah, it was season. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really feel strongly about it one way or the other. It was other. the singing corpses. Come on. You, when you have okay. singing corpses, that's phenomenal. But, yeah. I like that. <laughs> but here's, I, I hear what you're saying about the child's perspective. Here's where that argument breaks down for me though. Is that it, the episode isn't animated even when they're in the dream state. Uh, right up until we see William Bell. And then it's only animated so long as William Bell is along for the ride. In other words, we see the child in a non-animated form in that episode. So that suggests to me that it's not the child who's driving it. It's William Bell who's driving the animation, and that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, do you think it's because – but, 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 but William yeah. Bell is – but William Bell is kind of residing through Olivia, right? Yeah, but then why do we see Olivia in a non-animated form if she's the one who's driving that that bandwagon? Do you see her in a non-animated form? You do. When? You see her when Peter gets to the house, uh, when they're down in Jacksonville, and he knocks on the door, and she opens up the door, and as soon as he steps inside the house, she it's no longer animated. And you see Olivia there. And then oh, that's see- right. Yeah, the child sitting there at yeah, the table. I think, I think what it came down to is they wanted Little Nimoy to be in the episode, but that that he couldn't, so he just lent his voice instead of his acting. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Which would have been a lot considering all the physical activity you know, he oh. would have had to do. I mean, the man's 80 years old for crying out loud. Riding in the back of a bike yep, over like, yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then that episode led us into the three-part I, I, I consider it a three-part finale because it yeah. all kind of went together. And the first, it is. The first two episodes I thought were super awesome and I was so pumped for I, where, the, where they were going to go good. for the finale. And even in the midst of the finale I remember watching it thinking Oh man, it turned around after Soul Mang. It's this is going to be a great place to go for next season, and I 
I started thinking of all the different ways they could have some episodes set in 2026 and then this is for season four and then flashback and kind of fill in some of the blanks. And so I was really excited until the moment when Olivia gets shot in the future. And, yeah. and then and at that point you have to realize that this, you know, this is not going to be a real reality. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, you're talking about that three parter. I think one of my favorite episodes was the middle one, you know, episode 21, the last Sam Weiss. I mm. love the character of Sam Weiss. Oh, me too. Yeah, he's a good he's character. Great. He's kind of like this wise sage, and I actually felt the fact that we learned a little bit about him, that he's not eternal. I actually lost a little bit of love for him because yeah. I kind of wanted him to be, you know, one of the first people that was around oh, forever. They, yeah, didn't they, uh, didn't they kind of allude to the fact that he might be super old? Yeah. Or even I think, I think they did, but then they kind of, you know, explained it here. Yeah. So, whatever. I, but I always, I've always liked his character. As kind of the wise sage, you know, kind of giving advice and, you know, wisdom beyond what we know and that whole thing. Yeah, you're right. When they pulled back the curtain and we kind of saw who he really was, it, it lost its coolness. About that, that character lost his coolness. <laughs> no, no. What lost his coolness was when he actually bowled in the museum. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> Miles, your thought on any of this? No, that was. I agree. That's, that was a that was a good scene. Yeah, uh, but who could forget? Um, or maybe we should forget. I should say uh, in the opening where Walter is walking around naked. And which one? Um, that <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it that episode? Uh, yeah, Olivia is at the house, and um, <laughs> he walks by naked. Yeah, oh, that's classic. Yeah. yeah, just in time for pancakes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. When doesn't he walk around naked in the house? Though, man, I love Walter. I yeah. mean, seriously, all my issues with Fringe aside, Walter Walternet is the best thing the show has going for it. It's an awesome dynamic. Well, let me tell you one thing. Let's talk about the final episode here, since this is really the complaint episode, right? This yeah. is, that's really yeah. the one where you kind of break down. One of the things I did like about that episode was Brad Dorf. Um, oh yeah, definitely. He, I mean. I think I first ran into him watching the X Files. Wasn't he in a couple X Files episodes? I don't know. I know for he sure was, he yeah. was. He in, was. He was in Dune, and of course, me and Ben just watched all of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he was, he in, was there at Worm Tongue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Best advisor ever, right? Yeah. He's someone I would want as an advisor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, he, and he's in uh, Star Trek Voyager. I'm going through the Voyager series. He's in that as a murderer of some sort. He always seems to play these evil characters a little bit. He does. He's kind of got that face and that that voice where he just really can't play much of a good guy. I don't think. <laughs> I saw him on Law and Order a few years ago. He played basically a Jack Kevorkian uh, type uh, character. Yeah, see, same type of character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, yeah, he could do that well. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he could. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, so this episode, what's not working in this episode for you guys? All right, let me let me let Go me start, it, man. man. The okay. The moment that they say Peter never existed, we enter a paradox that screws up all of the continuity that we've seen so far when it comes to the fringe history. So if Peter never existed, Walter would have never had a son to go abduct from the other side or, you know, the alternate son, which would have never put holes into the universe. So there would have never been this war. Uh, the machine itself would have never been able to be activated because Peter is the one that activates it. So... All of the things, all of the main plot points that have moved uh, throughout the show were, were, you know, were non-existent because Peter is non-existent. Okay, so we're assuming that the observers, what they say is gospel. 
Yes. Well, they seem to have a pretty accurate <laughs> grasp on what's going on in the show. <laughs> so far. Have, have the observers ever made mistakes? Um, well, the only time I can think of an observer going off course is in August, when right. August uh, saved a girl he wasn't supposed to. But he didn't, ma- he didn't make a mistake in his knowledge. He made a choice. But they're saying flat out Peter never existed. Right. There's a difference between a judgment call that, that turned out to be a mistake and them having faulty knowledge, and they've done nothing so far to suggest that they don't have accurate knowledge when they make a declaration like that. I thought the whole Peter incident from the very get-go when they rescue him from the lake earlier on, that that, that the observers intervened and they're working at setting the timeline right. Am I right or wrong about that idea? I think they've been, they've been trying to do that all along. Right. Because the, for what they said before, they were not – Walter should not have gone back to the other universe to try to save the other Peter. And they helped him. Well, because Walter, they both fell in the lake and one. Right. But even before that, September uh, distracted Walter in it right when he had just made a cure to uh, cure his son. And so if he had noticed that the cure had worked, then alternate, well, no, not alternate Peter, our Peter would have uh, not had to have been saved by our Walter. Right. Yeah, so I guess the question is, do these guys, are these guys, when they say a statement like Peter never existed, can we take that at face value? I don't see any reason not to. Well, it's a time I, travel episode. I mean, but that's not the time travel. That's like modern day at that point. It's modern day, but the timeline has been screwed with, though. Yeah. Well, wait, well before we move on, I, just real quickly about the time travel, you know, in this episode also, we find out that the first people are actually Walter, Probably Astrid, maybe even Peter himself, who right. some and and like they never explained how this happened, but somehow Walter figured out a way to send pieces of the machine back into the past, at two hundred million years, I think it was, uh, plus also figured out how to send Peter's consciousness back to the past. But all these things were glossed over as a, you know, just like oh yeah, we'll just do this real quick, and then all of a sudden Peter's back in the past in the machine again. So well, well, when let it comes, me, to, let, me, let me back up there. They, it's it was. It was through the wormhole um, in Central Park that Walternet blows a hole into that creates a spatial paradox. Walter, the Walternet does it. Because they show in that one scene with Brad Dorf, or whatever his character is, I guess. Um, Moreau. Moreau. Think that his character Moreau blows a hole in there, which creates a time paradox. Or creates the wormhole back into the Paleozoic period. So, so how did he learn, How does Walter know how to not only send objects back into time, but also how to send just somebody's consciousness back in time? Well, he tore apart the machine, and that throws it back into time, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if if the machine stores, if the machine functions, it's keyed obviously to Peter, and if it functions as a storage device of any way, wouldn't there be a way to put? Uh, Walter, Walter's memories and Peter's memories, because Walter's memories have to obviously be there because he kind of tells Peter, I, I showed you this so you know to make a different decision. Hmm. It's kind of his comment. I don't, I didn't get that Walter's memories went back too. Well, he makes this comment. He goes, I needed to bring your consciousness forward to see what would happen. Yes. Okay. And, and that implies that his consciousness has to be along for the ride. So all of that I'm okay with. Um, I think it does make the first four, 30 minutes of that episode a little bit meaningless that Peter's just being flashed forward and then he's put back, but I'm okay with that so far. What really bothers me is what happens later when we find out Peter apparently never exists, and I do take the observers at face value, and that's where my real issue with the episode comes in is that part. 
Not so much what happened. Oh, wait a second. Earlier. Weren't the pieces of the machine though? The machine is in both worlds. So how did Walter send the machine back to both worlds? That's a good question. That is a great question. Unless we go back to how did the parallel universe get created? Is yeah. there a place where it diverges and therefore the machines exist in both worlds because of that? They say yeah. these universes are connected, so they that's they probably diverged at some point. That would be yeah. my that would be my guess. You know, a decision. Go ahead. That's what I thought. Yeah, the only way it could be the same is if at some point the worlds were one and then they split off and all of a sudden we now have these two shared worlds. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think the issue that we seem to be having is rests with, are you know who are the observers? It comes down to this, and are they are they capable of making mistakes, which we may or may not have seen? We're kind of in disagreement on that, and. Uh, and whether or not um, we can take them at face value. Okay, but so you don't take them at face value when our big cliffhanger for season three is Peter never existed. Well, I, you take that at face value. Well, <laughs> it, 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 here, here is here's the hard thing. You want to, and it does make you go back and rethink everything because we do. Let me back up and say in. In the episode prior to this, Last Sam Wise, at two different moments, Peter has a flashback where he kind of sees everything that's happened between him and Olivia flash before his eyes, you know, as he steps into the machine. Right. Um, and so he kind of has his life flash before his eyes in a sense. Um, and yet Sam Wise does make the comment earlier on that once he gets into the machine, that it is indestructible, that he's indestructible, that he can't die in the machine, at least according to Sam Wise. Um, and so he's not in the machine when he disappears at the very end. Right. I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, so spoiler alert for those of you that maybe don't pay attention to things coming up in the next season. And do you guys? No, it's okay. Yeah. okay. Spoil away. Spoil away. So, so here's the whole deal is we know that Joshua Jackson is signed in to do season four. Yeah. All right. So, so, so he's not gone. And so if he's not gone, unless he's going to be like um, Six was in Caprica where she kind of appears to Gaius Baltar all the time, but she's not really there. Uh, unless we're going to have something like that happening or like earlier, I guess, in the season when she was appearing to Olivia, like Peter was appearing to Olivia, although he was gone. Wasn't he gone for a while and doing that? Well, she was gone. And so oh, yes. she lost her memories. <laughs> That was in the alternate universe, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So unless that happens, where you kind of bring him back that way, which would bother me, I think, in the long run, if if all he was was a figment of her imagination, yeah, uh, they're going to have to, A, the observers are either right and they're going to have to recant and re-bring him back for some reason, or he's not really gone and the observers are wrong. I mean – Let's let's discuss here. What are the possibilities if Peter's in next season? What has to happen here? Well, the the observers are not infallible, and I I don't think they're infallible. So they they so the observers are wrong. That's one way. What's another way they could bring him in and maybe have the observers be right? Uh, go back to the future and stop Walter from going back to the past. And most <laughs> <laughs> incredibly confusing continuity of all time. Lost. We're gonna beat you for that award. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what you guys have heard that uh, the producers are saying that this season four uh, premiere is going to be a, a, 
almost a new pilot or something along those lines. Have you heard about that? Yes. Yeah, I did. But then I, I think I also heard with that that they aren't discounting the prior three seasons. Okay, right, exactly. So uh, to answer your question, how could they do it? I, I mean, I don't know. Are they going to slowly start to get their memories of Peter back? And then once they remember him, then he can exist again? I mean, that is one of the oh. issues that I had with the finale. And I will agree with you that when Peter disappears, no one cares. Yeah, I noticed that right away. I was yeah. like, Walter, Olivia, like someone would be like, hey, what happened to Peter? That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they clearly don't remember him existing. Right. Uh, but... Uh, if what you guys are saying is right, that the observers may be fallible and Peter really did exist and they are wrong in what they say, then I have the exact opposite complaint about the episode where we basically have made our cliffhanger meaningless. So and it's not make, of a finale at that point. So there's no way to make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not with what exists on screen now. now. <laughs> you guys know what I go through every week. Uh, every week. <laughs> oh, we, we hear it. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think the other the other possibility is at this point, we've been dealing with only one alternate universe and our parallel universe. However, we're viewing it. There's nothing to say that we can't bring in a third universe. And does that make the, does that make it too complex, too convoluted to do that? I would be okay with that because I love alternate I, universes. I would too, but I doubt the network is going to be okay with them making things too more convoluted. Well, so what I thought was going to happen, and, and if you look back at the uh, finale's uh, opening credits, it was in a grayish black and white color instead of red or blue like we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was convinced that that was going to be their way to signify, okay, this episode's in the future, this one is in you know the present or whatever. And, uh, I mean, they could do something like that again, just have a new color. <laughs> it says, all right, here we are in the yellow universe. The yellow universe. Yeah. You know, Charlie, we, we watched, uh, we did a rewatch in Charlie Jade. Yeah, yeah I heard you guys talking about it, but I didn't actually listen because I haven't watched Charlie Jade. Yeah, and, the, you know, it's a series that if you really have some time in your hands and want to be depressed, I guess, go watch it. But, uh, it's, the way they showed the universes was when you're in one universe, it would, this, it would be a slightly different color. Uh, when it'd be in another universe, they'd switch colors. Like the, the universes themselves would be tinted a little bit. Uh, similar Wait. to what they do in the Matrix. Yes. Matrix yes, when you go in the real world or the Matrix itself. Wait, so are you guys saying, is Charlie Jade a parallel universe story? Yes. Oh my gosh, I have to watch this. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Immediately. Well, no, I've been listening to Sci-Fi Diner, so is it re- available on DVD in America yet, or is it only on Sci-Fi Network? Um, Sci-Fi Network, and right now you can only watch it on Blu-ray. If you are, if you can, watch, if you have a Blu-ray player, you can order the discs. Um, oh, that's and right. Watch them that way, but that's about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll look but into that. All, all that to say, I, I agree, um, Ben. I think you said that. I don't know if the networks will go with a third. With a, you know, adding a third universe. Yeah, given Fringe's ratings, um, I think they're they're looking to bring in new new viewers, yeah. and they're not going to accomplish that by making it more complicated. Now, I'd love it if they would, because I love complex storytelling. Yeah. So I'm totally good with it, but I just, for practical reasons, can't see them going in that direction. You know, the only way they might be able to do it to bring in a third universe is in some way, since our since the the alternate universe and our universe. If some way, because they're kind of destroying each other, they they are able to blend them back together into one universe, mm. and then you bring in an alternate universe. Then there's still only two universes. Yeah, that could work. But if they blend them together, will we lose Walternate because he's a great villain? He's awesome. I don't know. 
I know that they, I remember that Nina Sharp said at one point, they have those two snow globes, they crash together. Oh yeah. Remember that? And that only one can remain or something like that. So I don't know what that means. I, I did love this scene, uh, where we saw all the doppelgangers face to face. That was cool. That was good. That was good. Well, you know, we mentioned about that if you only have one universe existing, does that mean you get rid of alternate? But he is in the future universe, even though his universe has been destroyed. Yeah, you're oh, right. That's true. So it so sounds you, it sounds like you can like travel to another universe and still be alive. Yeah. So how do you guys see next season starting up? Then it looks like this room is sort of a a gateway, so you can go. If I, if I understand it correctly, from that room you can go to back and forth to whatever universe you want. Is that how you guys see that playing out? I'm not sure. I uh. Wow, I, I heard him talk about it on the fringe casting. Wayne and Dan talk about it in their podcast a little bit, and I want to say that maybe that maybe that room becomes a little bit of like a gateway. Maybe they can't cross into the other universe. Like maybe Walter and Peter, Walter, excuse me, and Olivia can't actually go into the other universe, but it kind of becomes a place where they can meet. Mm. Yeah, that could be. I'm. I, I would love it if they could actually. If anybody could just go back and forth like a bridge or a gateway. Yeah, that would be cool. Then we can get the taxi driver in our universe. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, if that's the case, that's going to be some highly contested space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could see a, a war zone breaking out. Uh, it's They're at the Statue of Liberty, right? Yeah, at Liberty Island. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, and not yep. only that, but that, that opens up for a lot of – people that want to go over and do the other side harm, whether it be the fringe division or not, right. where you get some villains that cross over and begin to wreak havoc in another universe, that becomes interesting a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good places the show can go, and I think it set up a lot of good stuff. I just think they also shot themselves in the foot a bit with their closing line of the episode. Yeah. You know, uh, you guys had brought up uh, fringe casting with Wayne and Dan, and you know, I would call both of those guys experts on fringe, wouldn't you? Uh, I certainly would. Well, yeah. I, th- I think we might have, uh, you know, in, in honor of the sci-fi feud, I think we have something here from Wayne. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Henderson, take it away. I think we do. Bunch of fringe. Um, if you've heard the final episode of the season for passing with Wayne and Dan, you realize that I pretty much agree with you guys on all of your uh, takes on that. I mean, I, <laughs> for the first two-thirds of the season on, on my podcast, I would say this is season of fringe yet. They have really outdone themselves. And after hearing that, they went down. <laughs> I agree. Soul Magnets, please. And then the f- series finale or the season finale, the fact that, uh, oh, it's going along great. And then all of a sudden we find out, wait a minute, the first 45 minutes, that was really just a joke. It didn't really happen. That was so frustrating. In fact, I still maintain that we shouldn't have even had that very last episode of the season. They should have had the season cliffhanger be the one from the season, uh, the week before where Peter all of a sudden is apparently in the future and looking around and things are dire. That would have been a good cliffhanger. So basically just a re-emphasizing where I stand on that. I agree with you guys and Fringe, man, I don't know what they're going to do to explain this whole Peter never existed. Oh yeah, this is going to be interesting because I have a feeling by the third or fourth episode of the season we will see Peter again. So let oh. the record show <laughs> the expert Wayne Henderson has agreed with the sci-fi Christian in the sci-fi feud. Let me remind you that he's also a Packers fan and I'm a Steelers fan and that didn't go so well in the last 
Yeah. yeah. We're in Minnesota, and so we don't want to talk about our football team here. <laughs> well, there, there are some reviews uh, that, that uh, grew Scott and I. Uh, Sam McPherson from TV Over Mind graded the finale with an A, writing, from a show known for its mind-bending episodes came the most uh, mind-bending episode of all, The Day We Die. Not only reinvigorated the show's fantastic but inevitably aging premise, but gave the show a breath of life that has me uh, waiting, no begging for the show's fourth season. Though he wouldn't call the finale the best Fringe episode yet, he referred to the season as the best of the three and probably the best uh, season of television that's aired in recent years. Entertainment Weekly's uh, Ken Tucker lauded the finale, commenting in his review's conclusion, consider what the whole arc of the season and and tell me this wasn't one of the most uh, moving, thrilling, funny, inspiring clunks, uh, chunks of television you've uh, watched. The performance by uh, Noble, Torv, and Jackson were extraordinary. Um... Uh, a droid never showily or really clever. I was glad they, by season's end, Jackson, uh, Jackson's Peter had once again taken center stage, a central importance to a season that by nature of its design needed a, to concentrate a lot on, uh, Walter, the Walters and the Olivias. Well, I don't, you know, I don't think that I'm debating. I don't think you guys probably are even debating about the performance of the actors. Oh, not one bit. No, they, they did fantastic. John Nope is an amazing actor. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to something Wayne said, and I and I remember when we when they were doing fringe casting with Wayne and Dan and during the regular season, that I couldn't believe that we had one episode left after you know Joshua Jackson or Peter's like flash in the future and the episode ends because I thought yeah. that would have been an excellent cliffhanger. I totally agree. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, however, in saying that, in watching the other episode, the, the episode that followed it. I still felt when you tell us all of a sudden, hey, everything you've been watching about Peter the past three seasons has been a lie and he hasn't really existed, that somehow in there there's also a huge reveal and a huge cliffhanger that somehow they're going to have to resolve as writers. Yeah, but I would feel better about that cliffhanger if it was on a weekly episode and then we're able to come back next week and see what in the world they were thinking. (laughs) Oh, So your problem is that they gave you the summer to think about it. Well – Partly, yeah. I mean, I think that in terms of this is supposed to be the big thing we're supposed to seize upon and think about in between seasons is Peter never existed. And if that's true, then we have problems with the last three seasons. If it's false, and that was just the observers either getting it wrong or lying or whatever, then that really wasn't much of a season-ending cliffhanger and the show shot itself in the foot. Right. But you had the same thing with the X-Files. I mean, that one at the end of the one season where William B. Davis, you know, cigarette smoking man reveals to Walt Mulder that he's his father and boom, you're left with the ramifications of that. Right. Uh, but that's to, different. We haven't changed. We, that's, that's not a statement that makes the entire rest of the show potentially meaningless. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me like it bothers you guys, I guess. I mean, it's it's not as bad as Star Trek, but it's... <laughs> Let the record show that it was Matt Anderson who brought this up, not right? me. Right. Yeah, right. Where, where are you going with that, Matt? I'm just, I'm just kidding, Miles. <laughs> right, right. I just want to point out something that I believe your pastor said about that whole thing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he says this. The pastoral authority here. All right, right, right. So Skip says, I listened to the most recent episode of the podcast. Love it. I can't wait to hear your feud with Sci-Fi Christian about Fringe. Um, I may be their pastor and friend, but I'm siding with you in this one. Don't let me down. And then he said, oh, and he, he said, oh, and I was disappointed that Ben DeBono totally copped out in Star Trek. Stand by your words, man. Star Trek, 
sucks might have been said with an inflammatory tone, but you still said it. <laughs> well, let's well, record so that Skip Crust has changed his name to Benedict Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> The I mean, sci-fi Christian in the sci-fi feud. I mean, Skip might be a great pastor, but he's no expert on Fringe like Wayne Henderson. <laughs> oh. Should we play it again? No, it's not really good. But, <laughs> so, so, Ben, what do you say to that? Uh, Skip's saying you need to hold your ground. No. <laughs> no, I, I'm okay with, uh, you know, I mean, Ben did say he he's open to being converted. So let, let's let's go with that. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I do have a question about the observers coming back to Fringe. You know, I kind of, watching it, this time again, then the very ending where they're like all standing around the green Statue of Liberty um, and they're looking at the Statue of Liberty. It, I know that people have cited the observers in the alternate universe, but for the most part, they are in our universe. Is that correct? Uh, I know that in the episode uh, in season two, where it's kind of the one set in 1985, yeah, we see one of the observers uh, distract Walternet as he's working on the cure yeah, on and, the other but, side. And also, the, uh, the observer appears in every single episode, even if you know it's hard to catch him. So in the episodes earlier this season, where it was only in the alternate verse, then uh, he would have had to been in there somewhere. Yeah, so we've seen right. observers on the other side. Right. They just, I guess none of the episodes have really been observer-centric, uh, in a sense, like we've had in our universe, I guess, maybe more... More yeah, that's true. yeah, definitely true. So we think they exist that th- th- they exist simultaneously in both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I once made a mistake and called into fringe casting and and suggested that perhaps there were uh, observers that were special to each side. So maybe there were the, our good observers and then some bad ultra observers. That would have been cool, but I think I'm wrong. I you know it does make it interesting that if there are two of everything. Then, uh, why wouldn't there be doubles in the observers? Unless the observers, again, we don't know enough about, you know, this is one of the mysteries that has been kept going in, um, in Fringe for the past three seasons is that we don't, we still, even though we've gotten insights into the observers, we still don't know enough about them. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that's one of the best mysteries the show has going for it is the observers. I hope they give us a little bit more soon so we are able to form some better theories about them. But I love that aspect of the show. So what what do you guys think? Uh, you know, with They had said early on that they had six seasons planned out. Now we're going into the fourth, and they, they just barely made it from being canceled. Uh, how, how much long or how much more time do you think the show has to go? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. I know that the um, didn't Anna Torv come out the other day and say that there's a definite finale writ- or the, an idea for a finale written for the show. Well, she said more than an idea. She said that the script is written for the well, very. I didn't. I, did, I didn't see it was script. I thought the idea was outlined. I think it was more of an outline than anything. Oh, it could be. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it says script, but I thought it was maybe more of an outline, which she also admitted that was that could be subject to change. Yeah. This well. Is- this is my feeling on the longevity of Fringe. Uh, first, it's on Fox. Yeah. So uh-huh. um, if it gets the six seasons, it'll be lucky. Um, and just being a, a TV show these days, how many TV shows get more than four seasons in this day and age? If it gets six seasons, I, again, I think that's still an accomplishment. I mean, if, if, it could st- if they keep telling good stories, I hope it goes on longer. But it, longevity of, show, of TV shows... Nowadays is not not long. 
I think CW is probably the only station that gives low low uh, TV shows with low ratings a chance. Right. I mean, I mean, as far as I mean, look at Supernatural and mm-hmm. uh, Smallville going on for all the years that they went on. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I know that. I mean, Fringe has shifted nights three times in three yeah. seasons. Is that right? You're yeah, they should have just stayed on Tuesdays. That's when they were the strongest. Wasn't it Tuesday? It ended up on Friday. Weren't they on Thursday for a yeah. while? Yeah. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, I mean, and there's not many shows that would be picked up for four seasons having shifted that many nights. No. And so I guess will it continue like for season five or will season four be the end? I don't, I don't know. It's going to depend, I guess, maybe a little bit about what competition it has up against it. Uh, next year and how well it does against that competition and if Fox believes that they have a better replacement for Fringe. Do you think Fox is just sick of their reputation as <laughs> we're the network that cancels sci-fi shows? Because I don't know. <laughs> low enough this year where they could have justified canceling it. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they didn't, but I mean, yeah. because you would have hated this finale even more if they canceled right. it. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm on board for more we, friends. We, so, we yeah. probably would have hated it too if this was the season, series finale. Yeah. I, I don't know. Peter never existed. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. That would have been absolutely terrible. I, I don't know. But I like what you said, Ben, that uh, maybe Fox is getting tired of the reputation of the, the network that, that cancels shit shows. Yeah, because yeah. even with Dollhouse, they could have been justified based on the ratings and canceling that after one season. And I think they just felt like they had to because we after can't Firefly. we can't cancel two Joss Whedon shows. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys watch uh, Dollhouse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, no, we, we love Dollhouse. And we, we, our first few months of the podcast together, we actually interviewed Miracle Laurie. In uh, November. Yeah. And uh, look, if you, uh, back in February, we interviewed uh, Tamal Pennicott. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Ballard. I actually I was I was the winner of one of your contests. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So thank you. We have the yeah. picture right here. Yeah. yeah. Battlestar picture. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But you know, I, I you know, you're right. Maybe they felt bad about canceling a Whedon show, especially like Firefly when it garnered all the attention after it was canceled. Uh, I don't know. I I mean ultimately it comes down to dollars and cents. What what are advertisers gonna support? <laughs> And right. if there aren't enough advertisers coming behind the show, they're going to cancel it. And um, there must have been enough money in the show yet, enough advertisers say, "Oh yeah, we'll advertise for Fringe another year in order for them to put it on another year." I mean, that's yeah. the only that's the only reason. Like, whether numbers are in or not, the money is what talks ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So, um, so we talked about Fringe, and you guys heard us talking about possibly it could have been better with a shorter season. And then me and Ben had a conversation about having shorter seasons in general, and a lot of people disagree with us. Well, what were you guys' thoughts on that? Do you want to, go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I think from from a practical standpoint, one of your listeners – I listened to the show when one of your listeners called in and said why that, that was a good idea. I mean, it was, it was not a good idea, um, just practically speaking. Um, and I, and I, I'm of the opinion, creatively, I mean, uh, if, if – why can't we have um, quantity as well as quantity? So I, I'm 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 for the longer seasons as long as they can you know still put out good shows. I'm not opposed to they you know they're they're sometimes um, uh, unfortunately called filler shows, but if it's a good one-off show that doesn't necessarily you know speak to the whole story arc uh, 
it's just its own thing. You know, uh, I've been alive long enough and watching TV long enough. That's how TV was was often done. It was just a, a one off episode, one standalone episode. I'm you know I'm okay with that. You're used to watching Star Trek though, where everything was a one off episode. That's guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I kind of um, Ben. I'm not sure if it's you or Matt. Uh, we're talking about. That if you condense shows, like for example, Torchwood Miracle Day comes out tomorrow, uh, and Torchwood has been notorious for really shortening their season down to like six, seven episodes, five episodes sometimes. That's um, we would recommend. What was that? That that's shorter than what we're even suggesting. Right, and yeah. I think I think like the the show Falling Skies, which was just renewed, um, that. Uh, you know, that's a 10 episode season, which I think probably is more along the line with what you're recommending. Right. T- probably 10 to 15 episodes is yeah. kind of, I think it's a good range. And I think I agree with you on the sense that if you have that, that amount of episodes in a season, it really, it, if the quality of writing and if your shooting schedule is lengthened to the current, let's say the, you're shooting 21 episodes and you have this amount of time to shoot them and you have 15 episodes. If you expand it to fill the same time as the 21 episodes and you have the same amount of time to write those 15 episodes, then you probably are going to get a better 15 episode arc. But if you shorten the time to write and shoot, are we really going to get, um, you know, are we, are we going to get less stinkers? I don't know. You have less episodes. So statistically you would think so. Well, to bring it back to Fringe, I mean, we started the conversation on Fringe by talking about soul magnets, and that was kind of a three, four episode arc that I think could have been eliminated from the season altogether, and we would have had a better season three for it. So I think that if, you know, say Fringe was a 16 episode season, you get rid of that arc, you get rid of a couple more episodes, I think you got a really, really strong season three at that point. I think, though, uh, when we were talking about Soul Magnets, the issue with Soul Magnets was the premise of it. It wasn't the fact that they transferred consciousness, right? Well, no, I I don't like the – I didn't care for the way that they brought Leonard Nimoy back where it felt like we're just having him on to have him on. I didn't feel like the storyline really ultimately went anywhere. Uh, You're right. I would have been okay with the transfer of consciousness done differently. Um, But my issue was primarily how they did it and then secondly – that we had kind of a four-episode arc that really didn't go much of anywhere. Do you think they were trying to close the door on Leonard Nimoy as a guest actor on the but show? But they've done that already. Yeah, I, felt, I, I agree. I, I did feel like when they, at the end of season two, that they had kind of done that already. Yeah. Right. Uh, it, to me, it felt like revisiting territory that didn't need to be revisited and ultimately went nowhere. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows I love Lost. At Lost, what they did is they they would plan out uh, story points throughout the season and they would work everything towards that. Or if you look at a show like Game of Thrones, I believe they probably wrote out every episode before they... Well, even... the book was written before they started. Right, no, but yeah. they kind of... <laughs> Agreed. Yeah but, yeah, but you still have to have screenplays for each individual episode, right. so you have to go someplace. And so the, I'm, I'm guessing they wrote out those screenplays or scripts for each uh, episode before they even started filming. That That's what I'd like to see. Totally. Yeah, and it's hard to know without getting onto the writing team how much that uh, Fringe has done that. Well, uh, we read an article on Collider that uh, John Noble said that they were actually rewriting the finale as they were shooting. Yes. 
Yeah. And so what was being rewritten in the finale is my question. Ending, Probably ending the last part. scene. <laughs> yeah. John Noble said it was the ending part. While they were filming that, they were getting revisions while doing the filming. Do you, do you think that was because they were uncertain whether they're going to be renewed or not? Hmm, that could be. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. How do you think it would have ended if they didn't get renewed? I don't know. Yeah. Peter, Peter dies. They would have all hugged at the end. <laughs> yeah. Group hug. Saying, we are the world. Or, we, are, we are the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they would have a giant reconciliation fest there at the Statue of Liberty where they all became friends. Right. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it'll come out sometime. You know, when you get the DVD set and look at the bonus features, it'll come out as to, you know, what was originally intended. Somewhere along the line, that'll come out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their plans were. Would Would Fringe have benefited from a shorter season? I mean, I know that you guys are the opinion. Yes, uh, is it practical? Um, I kind of agree with uh, again what one of your listeners said that uh, I'm not sure that your financial backers on a regular an, on regular network television, um, you know, non cable channels would go for it. Yeah, and I agree on that point. Because I mean, um, you look at, you know, honest, Torchwoods on Stars, you know, Game of Thrones on HBO, Falling Skies is on TNT, Walking Dead's on AMC. These are, you know, short season shows, but then they're also cable. And then yeah. B- BBC is another one that is, you know, they do these short shows like Outcast, which is terrible, and but it was still a short season show, and Doctor Who, which is what, a 13 episode arc that they cut in half. Yeah. Yeah, practically speaking, it's never going to happen on network TV. Yeah. Let me ask you guys something. This is not. This is kind of un- unrelated, but still sort of is related. The long hiatus between shows. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, sometimes it. Sometimes we'll wait. You know, we're only have to wait for a summer for until Fringe comes back, or at least at least the fall. But sometimes when the season ends in December. We may not get the show back for six months or even, you know, I mean, they, they did this with Battlestar where you waited almost a year for it to come back. Yeah. Uh, I th- we I even think lost, even lost had that, didn't they? Yeah. And, and, uh, I know you guys have talked about the event. I think that that might have been what killed the event. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Long hiatuses, yeah. So, yeah, we are anti long hiatuses. <laughs> yeah. Anti that. Mm-hmm. I did see that someone made the comparison between, you know, bringing it back to Fringe, and this doesn't have to do with the season length. So maybe if you, if there's, is there more to say about the season length that you guys want to talk about? I don't uh, think so. I, am I for shorter seasons? I see the benefit of them. Um, I enjoy the length of the seasons. Again, for me, I, Fringe was something that I looked forward to every week, and if we were to shorten that season, I was going to lose that. Even the episodes that I would have not rated as quite as high, I would think I would miss that. Hmm. Yeah. But, Part of what practically plays into it for me and Matt, too, is that we're both extremely busy. Yeah. Out our TV watching life. Yeah, so are you guys, actually. Yeah. yeah. So just practically speaking, it's nice if we can watch you know an entire season of a series without as much of a time commitment. Hey, Scott, I was just thinking, since uh, we're doing a crossover episode here, and some of the Sci-Fi Christian listeners might not know, do you want to give a shout-out to your uh, the Haitian connection? Oh, sure. Um, as for, for those of you that don't know, um, my wife is a director of an organization called the Haitian Connection Network. I work more behind the scenes uh, doing web stuff for them. But 
<coughs> the Haitian Connection Network works in Haiti. Uh, basically, the goal of them is we're fighting poverty in Haiti by educating people, uh, students who get out of high school, can't get a job. They go through basically a two-year degree through an online university that's uh, run by University of the People, and they are an organization that their goal is to bring tuition, uh, to bring college education free to the third world. Um, and so we're working with them, and we have a student uh, learning center down in Haiti that's basically like a computer center where, pe- where students can come, hop online, and study and earn a two-year degree. Um, but we don't just do that. We're also looking at networking them into the job force in Haiti. And so we've done some pilot programs over the past couple of years where we've done that. And we've seen how, you know, getting them a trade school education or a two-year degree, uh, putting them to workforce can change not only them and their financial situation, but then their families. And because of the way the Haitian family works, many times this spills into the extended family and then the community as well. And so it's been a real phenomenal thing that we've seen happen. And, uh, awesome. Yeah, so it's just a phenomenal organization. It's kind of just getting on its feet. I mean, we've been doing it for – you know, 11 years in some capacity, but this past year we've really begun to lay the groundwork for it. Um, and if you want to find out more about it, you can go to the Haitian, it's, it's Haitian Connection Network dot org and there's information about the students that are there. You can sponsor a student if you want, uh, monthly and, uh, find out more information and watch videos, uh, about what's going on with us. So. Very cool. Does that answer your question? Yes, no, thank you. Much. Sure, no problem. <laughs> where, where was I going before you said that? But I was very glad to plug it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, you're saying you're oh, about to admit that we were right. I think right, well, right. That was it. No, there was a. I was I was reading a review about the season four of Fringe, and this guy gave it ten stars out of ten, which you would of course disagree with. But I did think of you guys as I was reading it. Um, he was saying. Um, he was he was drawing a comparison to Lost. Um, oh, he said I couldn't help uh, linking this twenty second episode to Lost season six sixteenth episode, uh, what they died for, and this of course is called the day we died. So the similar titles, um, but the day we died was in the same vein, a cookie jar full of all the elements that made Fringe season three so stellar. But the difference with Lost is that it was actually the finale. An excellent one and respectful of all the hope its audience had in it. My only complaint would be about Emily Mead. He goes on to complain about Emily Mead as Ella. But, but oh. so, so he draws a comparison between this finale to the, the, the series finale of Lost. Interesting. Yeah, I, I saw that, uh, the actress, Ella, you know, it was Ella? Is that yeah. her? That's, yeah. I read that the producer said that she, will not be appearing let's see i have a quote here someplace one second um oh yeah is this the last we've seen of grown-up ella and uh they said yes for the time being so it just kind of goes to show who we're not going to go back to that future would you i'd kind of like it if they went back to that 2026 how, how would you guys feel about that i don't need it yeah i, I don't need it either i yeah. mean it looks it looks like what's going to happen that that timeline has been erased because it looks like somehow the people in both earths are going to come together to try to you know solve problems and stuff. Sing kumbaya around the campfire. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. 
An episode of alternate singing Kumbaya could be pretty epic. Right. As long as there's dancing corpse, corpses involved, I'm okay with it. Oh, I, I'm up for dancing corpses. I just, <laughs> I just came up with what season four is going to be like. All right. Oh, no, so, no. Instead of having two alternate universes, we're going to have some episodes in this alternate timeline that still exists. So that messed up 2026 where Olivia's dead. That still exists. But there's also the past. Then they're trying to change the future. I don't know how that would be connected exactly, but... I mean, they gave it a new opening. They can't just say goodbye forever. Right, right. We well, you well, know a bunch of mysteries that they haven't talked about yet, like Detroit and and all of that. Oh yeah. So and if, you know, from seeing Back to the Future, you know, alternate timelines can exist. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we we you know uh, what's going to happen as well in the next season is that Stan Lee is going to make a cameo. Oh my gosh! In yeah. every episode, in every episode. Like yeah. Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd was actually in season three. It was all foreshadowing. This Back to the Future uh, new theme that Friends is going to have. Well, you know, and that was a time travel episode. Exactly. So, oh my gosh, I figured it out right here on the Five that, Diners. Last that, that was a, that was a great episode, by the way. That whole Doc Brown one. No, really? Yeah, Chris, I, I, I that one. But I love. I liked Lloyd. it. I didn't. I didn't think it was. It didn't really stand out to me as a great episode, though. It did time travel well. Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, You're wrong. No, Sci-fi feud. Sci-fi feud between the Sci-Fi Diner. Yeah. yeah. Um, But one of the – I think if I got remember the Observer, the whole cause and effect thing, that guy's son shouldn't have died, if I remember correctly. It's because of Walter's actions, the whole butterfly effect thing, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd's son ended up dying. But from what I got from the Observer – that was not supposed to be. That was not. I mean, and so there, that's that's why they kind of brought them together. So that, 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 why why I bring it up is what, why the you know maybe why the observers aren't necessarily uh, infallible. Well, and don't they mention at the end of that episode that someone's going to die? Yeah, I thought they were hinting, and I thought they were actually hinting at being Ella, but I could be wrong. I thought they were hinting at Peter at that episode. I forget. Mm-hmm. It's been been way too long. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. But, but I like that episode. But I don't know. Anything else to say about Fringe? I don't know. I, I, I think I think we got it. I think uh, we're okay. I'm not sure we've come to any conclusions. See. We just have differing opinions. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to see if they can do a decent job of answering some of this stuff next season. Yeah, I th- and we're not that far away. But when September comes, well, I guess we'll all know if they did the right thing or not. Yep. Yeah. Not, I, not September the Observer. September. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> So are you guys cautiously optimistic that Fringe will be good next season? I am. I would say that I think that it will – it'll probably continue as it's been. I found all three seasons to have some really, really awesome points and some weaker points in them. Uh, I think it will continue to be kind of an uneven show that way. Uh, I think there will be good stuff. I don't know that they'll be able to explain this finale in a way that is satisfying, uh, but I think we'll get past it and move on to good stories in the future. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. How about you guys? Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think that for me, on TV, Fringe remains one of the best written shows, despite the complaints that we maybe we have here tonight that I haven't found another science fiction show that's on network television that is as well written. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's where I'm at. Or on network television. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you get into Walking Dead or you get into Game of Thrones. These are obviously maybe – they're shorter. They have six episodes. They are better scripted in that way. 
Yeah. No, we haven't watched Walking Dead yet. We've been reading the graphic novels, but we haven't actually checked out the show. So you're recommending it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's 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 good. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely good. And I and I have read only the first installment of Walking Dead. I didn't read. I didn't read any of the uh, the comics. But you guys are reading the comics. Yeah, we're yeah. going through the graphic novels right now, kind of before we get to the show, and then we're going to have a Walking Dead episode eventually. Eventually. It's a great series, uh, just the way that it's really able to draw out some themes through the z- zombie subgenre. And, you know, a z- genre that's kind of a lot of times just about gore and blood and stuff, and they're really able to get into the human emotions involved with it. And it's yeah, we were just phenomenal. talking about it right before we started recording, about how it makes you ask the question, what would you do in this scenario? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I just looked up the quote um, from that uh, Christopher Lloyd episode about what the Observer said because I'm kind of curious. And so, uh, do you guys care if I share it here? Go for it. Okay, it says outside the house, the original, uh, the original, and old Observer watch. The original confesses that he thought his experiment would fail, but he's changed. So the fact that he thought his experiment would fail that implies infallibility, I guess, or fallibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's changed. The old, the old one says he's willing to let his son die, and he, and then the comment is yes. And now we know when the time comes, he'll be willing to do it again. Kind of a yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and that sets up then the end. Yeah, that sets up Peter should be dying or something like that. Right, right. But he didn't die; he just disappeared. Oh, we're we're back. Are we here? We're back. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, we're back. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I'm pretty uh pretty cool with that. Yep, good. All right. So, anything well, else you guys want to talk about? <laughs> I don't know, guys. I I think that sounds like we probably won the sci-fi fear. So that, <laughs> that feels- All right. We'll have to let Thanks. the listeners decide that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. Listeners, you guys let us know what you think. Where do you fall on this and what should the next feud be about? Oh, yeah, future <laughs> feud. We do have to dialogue about it cuz that would be I think this whole idea of a feud having like you know, podcast feuding is a really neat idea. And Ben, I'm, it's, in, it's it, good to know that I've already won the Star Trek feud because oh, you conceded. Yeah. You you have not won anything there, <laughs> sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until I, I check out your recommendations, but as it stands now, I am not a Star Trek fan. Right, right. You're not a Star Trek fan, but you did back up quite a bit from what you said before. Yeah, I mean, really, Ben. I mean, I'm your co-host, and I support you as a co-host. But you can't really say you're not a fan if you haven't really watched it. Well, again, from what I've seen, I'm not a fan based right. on what I have seen. Which the you, minimal is not a seen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, having us on, guys. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And uh, well, we definitely have uh, got to do this again. We have to. If you, if you listeners listening to this, uh, have an idea what we should feud about, let us know. Um, and, uh, it might be, uh, any given movie that comes out that you guys absolutely hate or we love or vice versa. Did you guys love Green Lantern? Oh, wait. Yeah. We can, there's a few things we could talk about. <laughs> haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Can't make a judgment on it. But the only thing, uh, one, one last movie. You guys liked Thor. We did not. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that quickly. What, what, okay. is it, what was their favorite thing about it? What, you don't want a three-hour episode here? Come on. <laughs> I, I, you guys are shooting for it. That's Come nothing new, new to you guys. I mean, so yeah, we just don't want to keep you longer than than we than we you know than you want to be. But what did you think about Thor? You you guys liked it, okay, didn't you? I personally liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I liked the fact. I'll, I'll tell you what I liked about it. I liked that. Uh, that you Thor, like Chris Helmsworth. That's all buff. 
Come on, Matt. Come on, Miles. No, my wife does, uh, <laughs> but we won't talk about that. Um, but uh, he's kind of a, a bit of a spoiled brat and a bit of a um, you know a bit immature. But we see we see some character growth and development. He has to, he has some growing up to do over a eight hour period. Well, you can only get you know you you, you know you only what is it, an hour and a half long movie. You only get so much. You know. About an hour and a half long movie. I mean, you could all it would have taken is a five second uh, writing on the screen that said five years later or something like that, and we you know we see time pass that way. Oh, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> good idea. You're, 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 ben, I, I'm learning. You're, you're very hard to please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, haven't you been listening? Every I, I was just listening. Uh, I just heard one of our old episodes and. I'm just giving a review, one line into it. Ben's like, nope, hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I have high standards for, for my uh, entertainment. Yeah. So, well, you know, uh, did you guys read the comics, Thor? Like the comic books growing I've up? I've read comics with Thor in them growing up, but I haven't read his own comic, I don't think ever. Yeah. Ben, did you? Did you guys? No, I, I didn't I, read I, comics. No. Yeah, and I have not read the comics, so I went into I went into it um, with a blank slate, I guess, and it didn't bother me uh, the fact that we don't get a huge timeline or a huge background into who Thor is per se. Um, I mean, other than everyone knows that he's kind of an Avengers character and plays in that way. Um, in some ways, he's almost the least uh, super. Of the super characters because he's an alien race, I guess maybe more. Maybe I'm, maybe mm-hmm. that's not true, but you know he seems a little bit more real in that sense. Um, and you know he kind of reminds me a little bit uh, of Cars One. I'm going to make a terrible comparison here, so <laughs> just bear with me here. But okay. you know ca- Cars One, you know when <laughs> when Lightning McQueen like gets lost and he gets stuck in this town and has to kind of redeem himself and actually think beyond himself. This is the journey of Thor where he thinks beyond his own agenda, his own life and his own pride. And he's kind of thrown to earth without his powers and he has to kind of redeem his worthiness to use them by kind of standing alongside the human race and I guess. And put it all on the line. I mean, yeah, in a sense. And so I guess that's my comparison here with Lightning McQueen. Uh, Scott, you, Scott, you have to be there. The God of Thunder with Lightning McQueen, and oh. they're both they're both owned by Disney. This right. could be the next big thing. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely, it's, it'll be a mashup. But, yeah. No, right. which by the way, Cars Two, not as good as Cars One, but that's my. Opinion. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but uh, I took my son to see it, and he loved it. You know, you put cars on the screen, and he's like, "Ooh, right!" It's like dr- drugs for kids or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Cars is like the one Disney movie my my or Pixar movie my daughter doesn't like. So, oh really? Going to Cars too? <laughs> you, you might be you might escape that, but you might, my son watched Cars one like twenty one times as a kid. Oh, wow! And so <laughs> I, I, lear- I learned to memorize that movie. But oh my gosh, it's unreal. <laughs> That's the thing about having kids; you memorize all the Disney movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. take him long either. Like, you know, I'm listening to the sci-fi Christian in my car the one day and you're like, he's in the background going, it's time for sci-fi news. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, love it. I yeah, should have recorded it is what I should have done and sent it to you guys. But it's, it's, not too late. it's not too late. It's Do not it. too late. It's true. <laughs> uh, but Thor, I, I enjoyed Thor. Um, I don't know if there was a ton that I didn't enjoy about it. Um, I have high hope for Captain America, so that is next. And uh, yeah, I, I think the Marvel movies are they're suffering a little bit, but it's going to turn around. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, what so. about Thor two? 
Oh, yeah. do you know who's the screenwriter on it? No, do you? Yeah, yep. the who guy, that, the guy that wrote uh, my super ex girlfriend and Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Mm, that doesn't make, make me optimistic. So, so you have high hopes, is what you're saying? Thor <laughs> One will be a classic. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that Thor Two will make Thor One look good? Uh, absolutely. Hey, the Green Lantern made Thor One look good. I, after I walked out of the Green Lantern, I was thinking about Thor again. I said, eh, that wasn't so bad by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Our, our listeners, neither Miles and I have seen Green Lantern, but our listeners kind of came across as a mixed bag in Green Lantern, right? It was about 50-50, yeah. Uh, people liked it. People liked it in 2D is what they did. They didn't like the 3D. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear that about a lot of movies, that, that 3D seems to hurt movies these days, especially yeah. when they go back and uh, convert it. Yeah, so you're not looking for Star Wars 3D? Ooh. Probably not. I don't know. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, George Lucas takes our money, whether, you know, just instantly. He, and we give it to him. Exactly. The so, man needs another billion, for crying out loud. You will go see it then? Probably. Probably. He's got <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas to save. And you'll yeah. complain about it. Ben, you're going to complain about it all the way to the theater. We'll go see it. <laughs> now, you guys did like uh, X-Men First Class, both of you, right? Loved it. Okay, probably one of the best movies I've seen all this year. Yeah, Uh, up there with Adjustment Bureau. Okay, I didn't see Adjustment Bureau, but I I, uh, loved uh, X Men for class. Did you Did you guys see Transformers Three yet? No, I was supposed to go on Monday, and my roommate Ryan, who I talk about on the on the podcast sometimes, canceled on me. So what the heck? So I still haven't seen it. Have you guys seen it? No, we haven't seen it. Uh, Oh, we should all go together. (laughs) (laughs) Road trip. (laughs) You guys are in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Well, perfect. We meet in Indiana halfway. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what is it, about a 15-hour trip out to something like something that? Like that. Sounds yeah. like that's worth it. Yeah. So seven hours, we could go one way. And... Yeah. Oh, that, that would be but, awesome. But, but No, really what I want to do is uh, eventually come out there. You guys are going to shore leave coming up, aren't you? Or is it Right, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, so one of these days we'll do uh, some some convention together. We'll figure yeah. it out. Well, hey, I have a bed and breakfast. You guys can stay. Ooh, that might be a awkward. What? <laughs> that might be a little awkward. We're just friends. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that, but there, it's a suite, and it's you can split it into two rooms. Oh, okay, okay. that makes sense. We're good with that. Okay. <laughs> what do you think I'm suggesting? Come on. <laughs> Isn't this a sci-fi Christian podcast? I mean, it's sci-fi Christian. Well, I don't think there's any better way to end it than right there. <laughs> that sounds good. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us tonight. This was awesome. Yeah. All right. Like- hey, thanks for having us on. Talk to you later. All right. We'll catch. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, tonight we have with us Larry Nemchek again. He's back with us in the diner to talk about... The Wrath of Khan or the Khan of Wrath? One of those. Yeah, could you turn the heat up? It's getting kind of cold in here. Dude, dude, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, it was sweltering in this room the other day, and now it's cold. But it's uh, you're just you're just you, you like to keep the diner cold. I know to keep the pie from melting. But I uh, know. Well, you know, we do all we can. I mean, it's been kind of uh, there's been a lot of chill in the air with the feud that we have going on, but <laughs> but we're trying to warm it up, and that's why we have you Whoa. here. We have you to light our way and guide us into the things that we should be paying attention to. Oh, okay. Diver- or is it a diversion? A diversion, yes, yes. Keep us from the reality that we so often try to run away from. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's, so, that's what fandom and sci-fi is about, I that, thought. That's oh, well. right. That's what slash fic's about. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, so tell us a little bit about uh, what are you up to? Why do we have you on here? Why do I – what do you have me on here? Well, because uh, – yeah, because the, uh, the Muppets had to cancel and Freddie – no, no. It um, is true. It is true. Kermit was supposed to be here. It, but. And the dog act and the guy with the plate spinning on sticks was, was – couldn't make it. That's right. Um, which is great, uh, great radio, great podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> no, look, I, he's I doing went, that. Wow, I didn't know he could do that. That's incredible. It's, it had not been seen in 40 years since Ed Sullivan. And, um, it's, still, and it's still not seen. And it's, it's, still it's, a, it's an audio podcast, daggone it. <laughs> oh, that, right. Well, right. Uh, no, s- somewhat seriously. Uh, I did want to come on and, and tell you guys about um, – well, a couple of things. A, happy con season. Uh, it's Woo-hoo. already underway in earnest. Yeah. Woo. And um, hopefully if anybody's going out to um, – uh, to the Vegas TrekCon in August or Comic-Con San Diego, or cross paths and get to see them there. And uh, I just did a – had nothing to do with science fiction but kind of a kick in the butt to get back into some acting and performing. But I just did a, a web series that's gotten a lot of attention in an L.A. comedy award. That's uh, all Brits except for a couple of Americans, and um, I'm a guest star in one of the episodes. It's called Divine White. I hope everybody checks it out Very and cool. likes it. Is there a website? Um, is there a website they can find that on? Yeah, uh, it's uh, divine-white or divine-white.com. Very good. And uh, they're all they're like five to ten minute episodes. There's six of them. There's a gag reel, uh, but it's uh, it's very if you liked anything between it's a mockumentary with the British twang. So if you liked The Office or Spinal Tap or um, you know. Uh, uh, oh. Any, any of that kind of stripe you'll like this. It's about a woman who sets herself up as a mentor to a bunch of British actors in L.A. and Hollywood to get them through the maze, and she's British. And and um, anyway, and, and the people she brings into class and what they act, what she has the actors doing, and does she is she really in their best interest? And anyway, it's a lot of fun, and it's very uh, it's, it's shot really to be shot on a budget. It's shot very well. But anyway, but that's that's a lot of fun. The um, the big thing that I've been working on is uh, something that just came to me. The biggest light bulb over my head I had a year ago, I was, I was talking to a guy at the Dead Dog Party after SoonerCon back in my homeburg back in Oklahoma City, and I heard a guy talking about Houston in 1982 and the ultimate fantasy, and I thought, oh my god, this is a guy that knows all about the Con of Wrath. And for everybody who is younger than now, must be their late 40s, um, back when there was one cast, no bloody A, B, C, or D, uh, but conventions had been around for a few years. The big New York conventions had gone and all that. Uh, uh, there was a guy with a fan group in Houston that dreamed this dream of having the first big, huge, mega convention. And not just a convention, but I keep saying basically a rock star convention where it wasn't just on stage in a hotel and signing you know, and Q&A and all that. He was going to have them in a venue like, oh, say, a concert hall, a rock concert, a basketball arena. And have you know music and an orchestra and laser show and um, effects and have a talk show and have a playlet and blah blah blah. And they did this in Houston in June of '82, uh, and it was set to be just a couple weeks after the Wrath of Khan Star Trek II came out. And it was huge. They got Starlog magazine, which uh, kiddies before the internet, Starlog, and, and before so many magazines came out. Uh, for a long time, Starlog was like the way everybody kept in touch nationally, you know. And um, 
full-page ads and their publisher was an MC. Had the whole cast coming except for Leonard Nimoy, and I've since found out that he was almost added at the 11th hour. But Kirstie Alley and Merritt Buttrick, you know, from Rathacon, and Harv Bennett, who was the producer that came in and did the original series movies, had all these guys going. The 16,000 seat um, Summit Arena, the, the NBA home of the Rockets in Houston at the time, not just once, but three times scheduled over a weekend, two Saturday and a Sunday show. All this attacked onto the regular Houston Con convention with all the regular, you know, convention traffics. All of this, and it was the biggest thing since sliced bread, except that instead of the thousands they thought they'd have, uh, they had a few hundred. Oops. Hmm. Yeah, and people say, well, there's been lots of conventions fall apart. Well, uh, not that I'm – and I've been at a couple of them recently, <laughs> but uh, they – it was the – what was wild was not only was it like way long ago, the first big one, the first big to try so much – and you know, and it was a simpler, gentler time, and kind of a golden time now. Back at that time, but it's the only one that I know of where everybody, in their own way, from the fans to the staff to, and the staff was largely ignorant of the reality. It was only one or two people in the middle that really knew until Friday what was going on. The fans, the staff, the dealers, and most importantly, all the Hollywood guys, all the from you know. Uh, all of them on down from Harv and Shatner on down. All of them got there and said, "Oh, well, basically it was self-interest." They said, "If we go back to L.A. right now, all the goodwill and, and excitement that Rathacons generated and rejuvenated the franchise, and that was before we, they even talked about the franchise. It was just start. Uh, this will all be like mud on our face because no one will care about these kids in Houston. It'll be it'll stick to you know the national press will get a hold of this and, and all that. So they stuck it out." For the weekend, not not one show, not one day, but like a side, you know, a scheduled show with program and the whole thing, Ticketron, Ticketmaster type tickets and the whole thing. Um, so all these years later, I, I heard this guy talking across the room last year, and I was, and the bottom line was I was there too as a you know kid going to see a show. And all these years later, I hear this guy talking. I go, I find out he was the tech director that got fired when the corporation went bankrupt. Anyway, he starts telling me these yarns and tales, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this needs to be recorded, you know, and and, and interviewed. Everybody needs to be got and um, for posterity. And most people still live in Houston that were working on it. And then my mind is clicking, and I think, oh no, we shouldn't just interview them. That's that's eighties Larry, nineties and aughts Larry needs to be get them on film. And I thought, no, for years I've wanted to do something creative and producerly, and and um, this is going to be it. The big light bulb went off, and and I'm thinking I can get, you know, I can get a lot of the actors to talk about it. We've got the Houston people. This is producible. I, uh, Harv Bennett will talk. It'll be it'll be wild and incredible. And if there's as many stories. Pop out from all of these people as, and then the fans too that were there. Um, then I think this will actually hang together as a great documentary, and hopefully one that won't even be just about Star Trek, but you know about human human nature. I was, I was, we were trying to come up with the little catchy bylines, and I find, and I had uh, from meltdown to miracle. Do you like that? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I was telling neutral people that I knew that weren't fans, or they were kind of halfway, you know conversant with fandom and pop culture and everything and i'm telling them the story and they went oh my god i want to work I mean, one of them was a friend of mine as an editor and he's like i want to do it i want to work on it and i was like well whoa, 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 there's no money that's there might be but who knows i'm just doing it. he's like no i don't care this is too good a story 
So it was like a, it's like a riches to rags to riches, you know, whatever. So I so, and the best thing of all, maybe that the title, the Con of Wrath. I didn't. It's not even mine. That's what you know, fans. People were coming up with like the ultimate fiasco instead of the ultimate fantasy, and one of the other names was the Con of Wrath. So that seemed like title. it called to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you found? Um, I mean, you, you got this this former technical director. Um, but have you found fans who, who attended this convention? And- well, I've, I've started to have some com- – I was sneak peeking this through the spring. I've got some pictures. We're going to have access to a ton of pictures. We're working on having footage from the weekend, um, and all of the original crew, all but one, the, the hardcore people who had the most stories and had the access and were there while crazy stuff was happening uh, – I mean like uh, exploding weather balloons with too much uh, – Stuff in them. Uh, I mean, like we were almost walking in to a flash pot because they'd fired the tech crew and nobody knew the cues. I mean, all kinds of stuff. If everybody else holds up the way, I, the, just a few I've heard, I think it'll be <laughs> it'll be great. We're going to go to Houston and go back to the scenes, the scenes of the crime, right? And do that because it, it needs some footage. And I think we're I'm fingers crossed that we've got leads on on that. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's possible. I mean, I've come out and announced it because we're going to go through and and do all we can with it. And it's possible that, you know, I don't know yet whether this will be thirty minutes or an hour or ninety minutes. It's really free form, but I and at the very very least, this sounds like a, a you know a, a cop out, but at the very least, it'll be a good recording of all these people in the event. But I really think, um, I really think we can put it together and hang it together, and it'll be a great you know great story and a and a goofy pop culture. You know, humanity coming up out of the <laughs> crash and burn and rise from the ashes kind of thing, and because uh, that's what that's the angle. It's not it's not going to be negative. It's going to be uh, how people put you know from the from the stars on down to the fans and the people in the middle and all of it. Uh, you know, as opposed to all these cons you hear about where somebody walks in and go, oh, "We're broke," and within three or four hours it's shut down, and you know, and people have to leave because that's the way the business world works and that's the way the world is. But there was something. Different about this weekend and and the, just the way it happened and and there's all these people with great stories and I'm, we're going to try to uh, save it for posterity and um, and have fun doing it. So, any chance you're going to be able to pull any of the actual original cast in on this? We already have. Ooh. So, yeah, and I'm going to have. Uh, but you can't tell uh, them so. Well, uh, <laughs> I, you know, well, D D and Jimmy are, have passed. Right. And um, I will tell you that um, – well, Harp Bennett, um, in what may be one of his – he's getting on up there as a great, great sharp mind and uh, won't be with us for forever. So I was really thrilled to go up and spent like three hours with him on this and some other things. Um, uh, no, let me just tease you a little bit and let you, let you see But because uh, uh, we're still working on people and I don't want to give it away too much. But we right. do definitely have some and – if, and if you're watching – I have a Facebook page for Connor Rath, and we have a ConnorRath.com page. That's a page at my site. And if you people keep watching that, they'll see. Um, they'll, we'll put some clips up. Right. Put well, some clips. And um, and the other thing I should say is, you you mentioned a minute ago, we're going to have a. Uh, it's it's probably be as simple as people sending me private uh, YouTube videos and letting me know where they are. But we're going to have a thing, and I've already had six or eight people let me know, and a couple of people I knew that I didn't realize were there that weekend. But we're going to have a venue, a media way where um, 
people can record their stories if they were there and have a great story from the weekend, you know, um, uh, or a memory or whatever. And the best ones will use them. So there's that, and because we're actively looking for that, and also, and in not not as Kickstarter, but in our own in our own, I'm using PayPal. Uh, if anybody is excited by this and watches the clip as we put a clip here up or two, um, I'm accepting in this fine spirit of, of small budget productions and documentaries, um, $10, $25, $50 or more donations. And I've got to get the list up. I've had people already jump the boat, but uh, we'll have some Chotskys like scripts and DVDs and T-shirts and caps and, and you know, at different levels, kind of like a PBS uh, giving and I've got a it'll it, a five to ten thousand dollar goal and um, and we'll keep a track at a barometer and everybody that does everybody that does will have like a screen credit and um, and then we'll have some goodies beyond that too but uh, I'm opening it up to you know everybody to, to if they can to give in what they can and uh, and it's not tied in with the with the memory tape you know if you have if you were there and you want to send me that that's great and hopefully we can use it hopefully right. we can use it in the show so. And, and where can they make these contributions at? Well, keep. I haven't got it up yet. We haven't. I've, that's. I'm, I just announced this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm rolling things out a bit at a time. But uh, the you know, conofwrath.com will get you there. And in our modern world, if everybody can go over and like the Con of Wrath Facebook page, that would be wunderbar too. Did we like that, Miles? We got to like it. Uh, I just did it a few minutes ago. Oh, I will. Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> now, one more like. Uh, and, uh, I'll of course, if you, if you haven't liked Larry Nimichek's Truckland on Facebook either, that's yeah. that should be on your to-do list too. But oh, right, I right. did that a long time ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but nice. I wouldn't have got on the phone with you if you hadn't. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I don't think you mentioned this, but what sort of uh, when is your hope to have this project uh, to completion? To. You said when? Yeah, what would you like to have this project? Well, here's the, well, you know, it didn't start off this way. It just kind of, it just kind of, you know, blew up in my face in a good way last year, and we started working on it slowly, and really have kind of got it in here just the last month or two because we are doing it low budget. I'll emphasize again, but not cheap, but low budget. Um, the 30th anniversary is next June. I'd love to have it done by then. We're not on any kind of a strict time frame though. So, you know, I mean, even JJ's movie's been bumped back. <laughs> right, right. You know, six months. So, but next year will be a big Star Trek year, which just kind of played into this. I didn't really plan it that way. But, uh, if it is delayed, that means we've got the window from June to <laughs> December or whatever, maybe. Right. Uh, come out and, and ride that. But that's not, that was, like I said, that wasn't really even the point. It's just, this has just evolved as it's evolved and happened. And, and that's, but that's the goal. That's the rough goal. Awesome. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to say about Conorath? Um, has have you been able to pin down any film footage yet? For uh... that's what I was going to say. I uh, we were checking with the news stations. They, they had a person in their group. I mean, aside from anything that fans may have, and it wasn't you know the <laughs> they'd be about ten times bigger than they are now. But people had video cameras. And a lot of people still had their eight millimeter movie cameras and stuff. But in eighty two. But aside from what any fan might have, and anyone, the sound of my voice here, if you've got this, please, please uh, go to the site. And, you know, if you're, if you go to conorath.com, you're at my website, you can go to the contact me and write me that way too. But, um, we have a lead in their group. There were a couple of guys that were big, uh, you know, 
AV heads and one guy especially who filmed an awful, awful lot of stuff over the years just in their fan group there around Houston. And we're, we're having to go and find it out of his archives because he's passed away. And I'm really hoping that – because they said he just shot and shot and shot and shot. So we're hoping that it's it's there in good shape and all that. So uh, it'll it'll be a tougher mission without anything like that. But um, between that and what any fans might have out there, uh, for that end of it, we're hoping we will score. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, Larry, thank you so much for coming on the diner and sharing about the Conorath. And, oh, uh, guys, thank you as always. And the, yeah. and the apple pie is great always. Yep. Well, you know, and, uh, and the coffee to go with it. And the coffee Excellent. to go. I guess I should say damn fine cherry pie and evoke Twin Peaks a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you. Make sure you tip the waiter on the way out and, uh, we'll have you back some other time. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Just everybody got, you got your marching orders, right? Facebook and, uh, Conor Conrad got it. And, and I uh, even do the Twitter thing too, so just Larry Nimichek. So. Right, right. So you can find him there, haunt him, stalk him, do whatever you need to. There you go. All right. Thanks a lot, Larry. Guys, thanks again. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. That's good. Okay. See, I, I'm still thinking we did like a half-hour show just on the stupid episodes and everything. But No, no. Well, we, we did uh, – <laughs> let's see how how long do I have to – no, uh, but it's, it's been about, uh, it's about, we've been on about, what, 37 minutes, so we probably did about 15, 20 minutes in Connor Rath. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I, we should never have, well, you shouldn't have got me rolling at the beginning. <laughs> so now we're just in delay my kickback mode here and we're just yakking, so. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, I gotta tell you about my story. Um, I was at a con back in 97, uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and, uh, some of the guests, uh, Lou Faringo, I forget the actor's name. He played Darth Vader. They had, they had, they had David, Mac- David Prowse? Yes. Um, yeah. They had uh, Grace Lee Whitney there. She was the only person from Star Trek there. They had um, Richard Hatch, a couple other classic BSG actors. And um, I think they had um, uh, the guy who played Boba Fett and and uh, the guy who played Chewbacca. But Peter this Mayhew. Is the, Peter Mayhew. But this is the most surrealist thing I ever saw. Um, my friend and I are watching um, – um, the actor playing Darth Vader give his talk and we see Lou Fringer walk right past us and he's, he's wearing a tank top and I swear we saw Lou Fringer become the Hulk he asked to, to borrow the mic it just and, and, and so he does and he basically says he apologized to everybody but the promoters screwed me over and so I have to leave um, and, <laughs> and so it's just the most surrealist thing in the world I mean uh, we, we, we see Lou Fringer walk past us really pissed off and uh, get the microphone from Darth Vader to tell us he's, he's leaving it's just uh, <laughs> you couldn't make that up yeah, yeah. well the real question the Hulk- is if you pit the Hawk against Darth Vader who would win Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Darth Vader gave him the mic, so uh, he wasn't. Darth Vader wasn't taking any chances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's one more of those uh, you know, know. third boy battle battle plots you can pack up there. Right. And uh, Jeremy, is, I've been sitting here the whole time trying to Jeremy Bullock. Just to be fair, everybody, oh, we're not. We're hell. We're not even recording this. See, I, I'm still in show mode. Jeremy Bullock is the guy that was uh, Boba Fett. Okay, there you go. In in the costume, more the costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's funny. Well, uh, I saw – somebody sent me a story just the other day. There was a Friday the 13th reunion convention that had been promoted by a guy that had done them before. And everybody – the guests and the fans all showed up and the place was locked and the venue said he called – they hadn't been able to call the guy. 
he he just totally wigged out the day of the show. Oh, and he'd had a he had a track record. Uh, but just <laughs> that, that, I guess you got you, t- you take chances with that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, and and somebody was telling me there had been a Torchwood, I guess, convention like within the last year that was the same way. Only it was a thing where the actors showed up, and this happened with Firefly two or three years ago here in L.A. The actors showed up, the fans showed up, the thing was bust, and everybody was there, and they just hung out for a few hours, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know, what, what can you do? What can you do? But. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Larry, we do have to record another segment here. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I got to uh, get moving too. So, all right. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming and chilling with us. A oh, tell bit. me. Oh, yeah. Sure thing, guys. All right, we're back, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that little interview with Larry. We always love having Larry on. Always do. There are a few people we always love to have on the show, and he's definitely one of them. Oh, definitely. Dayton and Dilmore, mm-hmm. also good. Uh, yeah. Dave Gray. Um, Dave Gray wants to be back on if we ever watch Transformers in the theater. He wants oh, to be uh, on that. So. I'd be great. I'd love to hear his review. Uh, so uh, we're going to have to watch it and... Mm-hmm. Review it. And we need to get Chris Wood and uh, Televix on we, sometime again. We did have Chris View or Wood on before, haven't we? Yeah. A couple times, yeah. yeah. Definitely would love to have ha- have him on mm-hmm. and also Televix, definitely. We should ask her if she could give us her post-convention review for after, yeah. after Los Vegas Con. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, before we go, we want to give you the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And this Sci-Fi 5 and 5 comes from J.P. Harvey, who is still trying to get us to go out to Vegas Con. Uh, since he moved out to Vegas, but I'm not sure we'll be able to do it, JP, but hey, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not this year. But um, <clears throat> So his first Sci-Fi 5 and 5 is, he gave four, so we're going to just read one of them tonight, his his overall five favorite Sci-Fi novel series. Mm-hmm. So he's not talking about a franchise like the Star Trek universe or mm. the Star Wars universe. He's talking about series. And this is in literature. Right, in literature more than anything. And he is a big fan of Balticom, which he's been trying to also get us to go to. And and, and that's a literature convention. Mm-hmm. So we might go there sometime. If you heard a door slam, my wife just came in and handed me coffee, which is awesome. I'm going to need it. I'm editing this tonight. Um, so let's just go down through every other one. Do you want to do the odds of the evens tonight, Miles? Um, I could do the the odds. That's fine. Okay. So let's start at the bottom and work our way up. So start at uh, number five. What is his number five? Uh, John Carter of Mars, uh, the, the entire 11 volume series uh, by Edgar Rice uh, Burroughs. Um, he says he's not sure if it's really sci-fi, but I'm counting it. Well, if it's... About Mars, I guess it is sci-fi. It is, but I mean, the the line between fantasy, what makes something fantasy or sci-fi, really gets blurred. Sometimes. That's true. It really yep. does. Um, I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think I would count it in there. Uh, the Share series from the Golden Age Solar Clipper by Nathan Lowell. I have not read it. In fact, I'm going to be honest, JP, I haven't even heard of the series. So maybe I lose a point or two in geek cred there, but. Mm-hmm. 
This is uh, the Foundation Trilogy by uh, Isaac Asimov. And not just the trilogy, but JP, I've read the entire series, like all the books that have anything to do with the Foundation hmm. uh, Earth. There's like 20-some books in this series if you take them all. And the original trilogy, which is the classic, but then the extended universe, I have them all on the shelf right behind me. It's absolutely phenomenal. I love Isaac Asimov. Fell in love with him first with short stories, but then with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Dune, the original trilogy, and I'm going to say here, JP, the original trilogy only for me, but by Frank Herbert, um, Don Bender would agree with you, but I loved the Dune series and uh, the original trilogy. Number one on his list, Starship Troopers by Robert A. Heinlein, and I wonder how much that has in common with uh, the uh, movies that have come out. I assume you like the books better. I would assume so also. Yeah, uh, so you, you, I guess you can clarify that for us, JP, but the books are definitely the stronger of the series in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any series that are missing from this list for you? Uh, if we don't hit Star Trek or Star Wars. Right. Um, there, there is a series that I've been reading. I, I stopped for, for a while. Uh, Eric Flint, uh, the, um, the 1633... Um, uh, Grantville series. It's a it's an alternate timeline where this 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 town in um, it was written back in like 1999 or something like that. But um, but it's been the series has been going on. But um, there's now a lot of them. But th- this town from beings in the future gets transported to an alternate universe for, in 1633. So it's sort of like you know modern people interacting with people from the uh, 17th century. I think that's a really good. Uh, um, book series that, I'm, that I've enjoyed in the past. Yeah, I think he's drawing the line from science fiction, though. And so I guess maybe it depends on what we classify as sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Like, on my list of sci-fi novels, I would I would have to put, like, the Sword of Shinar series, but that's fantasy-based. I'd put J.R. Tolkien, fantasy-based, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I might even throw in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. But that's not real hard science. That's like, you know, British humor and takes place in space and spaceships, but mm-hmm. it's more fantasy than it is sci-fi. sci-fi. Yeah. But those are series that I think would be up there for me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I've been, I, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But these are, these are good ones for me. And I definitely, I think your list is good. Yeah. It's a comparable list. Mm-hmm. So miles, I think that's a bit, a, a bit, uh, it, that's about it. Okay. I can't speak here. A bit it. It's a bit well, it. We're gonna bit. We're gonna bite it right now. We're gonna <laughs> get out of this episode. Hey, we're in the diner. We can bite it. That is true. That is. Um, so we're gonna close up shops. <laughs> hey, no comment there. And uh, but we're gonna get out of here. We got shore leave to go to. Shore leave is uh, tomorrow for us. Yep. 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 So that's about it. If you have any thoughts and comments, email us. Contact us. We've given you the information. Visit our website, sci-fi diner podcast dot com. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya.